Hey everyone, Adam here with the Shooter's Touch. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When Brian and I were trying to get this podcast off the ground, we had tons of questions. How do we record an episode? How do we get my show into all the apps like Spotify, Apple Podcast, where all of our listeners can listen to it? How do I make money from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is actually pretty simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free, and it is honestly ridiculously easy to use. Now, Anchor can match you with your great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast immediately. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading all of this stuff to you. So, when Brian and I started this podcast venture, one of our huge issues was we both have families, multiple kids, day jobs, multiple jobs sometimes. How are we going to get in the same spot at the same time to do this podcast on a regular basis? Anchor does that. No need to be in the same spot. It's essentially a phone call to one another and you're recording a podcast. So if you always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, you need to go to anchor.fm backslash start to join me and Shooter's Touch and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm backslash start. I can't wait to hear from you and to listen to your podcast. We are actually, uh, we are back after about a week or so layoff here, Brian. Welcome back. Yeah, it feels good. We kind of took a little bit of an all-star break of our own. Um, had a had a few weeks off there, and uh, so it feels good to feels good to be back and ready to go. Yeah, we uh, have a lot to talk about here. We're gonna uh, we're gonna tie, uh, try to dive into Iowa State and Iowa here. The last maybe week week and a half that we missed out on. Um, and if I could just kind of hop in here with Iowa State, kind of a kind of a backwards last three games for Iowa State. You know, they're um, you know at home against TCU and drop that one uh, on the road against K-State, a really good K-State team, win that one, come back home against a Baylor team that is, you know, average. I think they're exceeding expectations this year. But, again, at home where Iowa State typically wins and they and they dropped that one last night. So, um, you know, as I mentioned, kind of a kind of a backwards last, last two or three games for the, um, you know – of the Cyclones, and I think that um, you know these last three games would have been huge if they could could have picked up wins in all three of those for their you know regular season title, and then obviously for their conf- for their confidence moving forward as well. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, as you look, you know, even rewinding a little bit further back, and you look at kind of where they were trending with the the win over West Virginia, when close win over Texas, uh, close win over Oklahoma. And you're all of a sudden, and meanwhile, while that's going on, Kansas is struggling. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, Kansas State playing well, but things were pretty much setting up for the Cyclones, and everybody was kind of starting to jump on board. And like you said, they didn't drop that game at home against TCU. Um, still have a little hope and go out to Manhattan and get a really good win, uh, an opportunity to compete for that conference uh, title. And then, yeah, then last night came out with uh, not a lot of energy and uh, looked like a little bit of lack of motivation, which I, I don't understand given the situation where they're in and ultimately being able to control a little bit of their destiny. Yeah, there was, um, you know, looking at kind of the Big 12 stage here, you got K-State on top, KU right behind them. 
Um, and then you have Texas Tech right behind them, um, record-wise tied with KU. And then you have Iowa State down there. He tied you know, with Baylor, who, who I think that if it ended today, I think Baylor would hold the tiebreaker against Iowa State uh, with the two wins against them. Um, and you're right. It, it, it's, it's very peculiar that they would uh, drop those two games that they did um, at home. Uh, I saw a, a video, I think, on Twitter today that um, that was was very, very or I guess after watching the game, you know, it was it was a great video to kind of, I guess, sum up sum up the game where uh, I think a Baylor player went in for a layup and there was he missed the layup. There's three Iowa State defenders around and all three of them expected the other one to grab the ball and the, and um Essentially, I guess at the end, a Baylor player walked in and and I and I grabbed the ball and uh, and I laid it in the basket. So it is it is kind of different to watch and different to see these you know Cyclones just kind of playing really well one game and then the next game just kind of laying an egg. Um, you know, you kind of I've been I've been seeing rumblings around that it's the coaching staff. You know, the rumblings around that they just have a have a young young core to the team, and I can see I guess you know both sides of it. Um, I kind of, in my mind, I kind of veer towards the, the the younger core of the team, the younger players on the team, uh, rather than the coaching staff, because Steve prohm has been there before, you know, with um, with you know Murray State, uh, a perennial uh, powerhouse when he was there, and you know now the the first three four years he's been at Iowa State. I uh, had some really good teams, had some really good records. So, so it's just, it's, it's interesting to watch. Um, and, you know, as a, as a basketball fan of the state of Iowa, you know, it's, it's very, very frustrating to watch sometimes when Iowa state is on TV. Yeah. And I think a little bit of that is, you know, essentially the product of kind of the way that Iowa state has built their success here in the last several years, you know, with the, uh, getting some of these grad transfers and bringing some of these guys in for one, two years, depending on what it is. Um, it's difficult. You know, we've talked about it and we've actually praised Steve Prohm for the job that he's been able to do and, and basically piecing these uh, guys together and these different characters together to be able uh, to have as much success as, as he's had. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's very difficult to, to, to just create that chemistry overnight. And you know, I know we'll get into, we're going to talk a little bit more about it here, but, um, you know, one of the other things, like you said, I have heard a lot about Steve Prohm, and I think that the whole Fred Hoiberg being at the game yesterday didn't help that either, just because, right. just because of that whole situation. And you know, and I've I've honestly felt for Prohm from the day he walked in because of those shoes that he was filling, and um, you know, and just the fact that it was Fred Hoiberg, and he is the mayor, and all the success he had in high school and in college, and the, I mean, it's it's just. You can't, you almost can't win, and you feel bad for the guy because I, like you said, I do think he is a good coach. I do think he's done a, a very good job, even with this program and prior to that. So he understands basketball and he knows what he's doing. And, you know, it definitely was not coaching that, uh, um, you know, the reason why they got beat last night because they just did not give the effort. And you, like you said, you could see that in the rebounding side of things where, um, rebounding is all effort and it just was not there for the Cyclones last night. Um, you know, which, which is frustrating. Like you said, watching that, watching this team and seeing the talent and watching them go to Kansas state and win and then turn around and losing to Baylor. It's, it is, it is extremely frustrating. I think that um, there's a little bit of a lack of engagement 
Um, and we're going to get into that a little bit with the Hawks here too. I just, I just, for whatever reason, these kids just don't seem to be able to lock in and, and kind of have that championship mentality. We're kind of going up and down and they're kind of riding the waves with the emotion. And, you know, some of that, like you said, is probably the young core and, you know, the whole Hilton magic thing. I think it's hard because those guys, many of them haven't experienced Hilton magic because they've only been there a year or two years. You know, it's hard. It's, it's different in the landscape of, of college basketball because you don't have these guys their first couple of years, you see what's going on. And then their last two years, they, they totally get it because they've been there and they've watched the program grow. Right. You know, I think there's a couple of things that I, that I would just like to mention here. You know, you mentioned the, the transfers coming in and um, Hoiberg, you know, the, the work he put in before Prom got there, he was, he was a mastermind when it comes to bringing transfers in and, and having them, you know, actually produce their first one or two years that they were there. Um, you know, you, you rarely ever see that. And I think, <clears throat> I think, you know, Cyclonation is, is a product of that right now, you know, with all these new parts this year, just kind of expecting it to happen, expecting it to be okay when the, when all these new parts are on the floor together. Um, and you, you kind of touched on it uh, here a couple minutes ago. The second thing I want to mention is the Hilton magic seems to be, you know, lacking severely t- to me with a couple games that I've been to the, in the Baylor game, especially, you know, when I was watching that game, you know, they, they have the intro and stuff, you know, Hilton magic is loud, or excuse me, Hilton Coliseum is loud. Um, and then when the game gets started, Hilton Coliseum is loud. Um, however, when I was watching that game and it, it, probably was a little bit of the fact that, you know, Baylor was, was, was working Iowa State pretty well on the offensive end. Um, however, you know, when Hilton Magic used to be, when Iowa State's down by 10 points, the crowd would get loud and Iowa State would all of a sudden be up by two points or up by four points because the crowd got into it that, you know, obviously, uh, you know, fired up the crowd, but I'm not, I'm just not seeing that any, anymore the, these days. Um, you know, that's, that's just an observation from the outside looking in and not to say that, you know, the, their crowd base isn't, um, isn't, you know, true Iowa state cyclone fans, but at the same time, it just seems like it's changed over the last couple of years for sure. And I know that that, that hurts players out on the court, you know, more than they probably know. Yeah. Oh, I agree. And I, you know, I think it's a combination. It's not one thing. If it was one thing, we'd be able to fix it and change it right away. And, and that's what it comes down to. I mean, obviously, uh, the fans and in some of those situations as far as what they have and, um, you know, the promotions and stuff that they do at the games and at the stadiums, you know, it's a, it, with like anything, it's all money driven. And so they're doing promotional giveaways and doing sponsors and, and um, a lot of those things at the timeouts in between stuff too, instead of maybe keeping the music going and keeping everybody jacked up. And so you see a little bit of that, but you know, ultimately it comes down to the players. You got to give them something to get excited about. Um, you know, they're smart. They're smart fans. They've always been uh, smart fans. They get it. They can see things. They can anticipate things and uh, when they start to shift and then they kind of take it from there. And, you know, that's, that's essentially what the Hilton Hilton magic is all about. But, uh, you know, it starts with the players and even Prohm's, uh talked in his post-game interview that he could just feel it uh, even the week leading up to pr- in practice and, he said he pretty much has had that feeling uh, on each of their losses. And so, you know, that starts with the, starts with the kids and starts with the, the leadership and stuff that they have in the locker room and, you know, just being able to be locked in, being engaged every single day. 
I mean, you have to bring it. You're talking major Division One basketball. You bring it every single night, and you know when you don't, this is this is kind of the roller coaster that you see. When you when you take a look at the Big Twelve, you have Iowa State, like we mentioned, sitting in the fourth spot there, um, and their conference schedule coming up. You know, at the they play Horn Frogs in Dallas. They play the Sooners at at Hilton. Longhorns away, West Virginia away, and then they have Texas Tech to end the season at Hilton. Um, it will be interesting to me to kind of see how they how they play on the road against at at home. You know, they don't have uh, in the Big Twelve. You never really have a night off, and the last three games, in my opinion, Cyclones have played kind of backwards. You know, they're they're winning the away games and losing the home games. So, um, you know, interesting to be interesting for me to watch watch that progress here. Um, and as we mentioned before, let's uh, we're gonna chat about the Hawkeyes as well and some of the frustrations that Brian's seeing with them. Uh, you know, watching watching them the last couple of games here, Brian. Yeah, and you know, and with both these teams, both Iowa and Iowa State, I, I think over the last week and a half here, two weeks, really, uh, probably since the last time that we podcast about them, um, is what they've continued to show. And it's funny how their seasons are kind of following each other. They've shown that they have the ability, they have the talent to basically play and beat anybody on any given night. Um, but they've also shown the ability to lose to anybody on any given night as well. Um, you know, and obviously with the Hawks, that that might be a, a little harsh given, you know, the fact that they um, have strung together, uh, you know, a couple wins here going all the way back, um, you know, to beating obviously Michigan, which was a big game at home and then going and winning at Indiana. Um, then the buzzer beater, obviously, against Northwestern at home. Uh, and then the miracle, uh, Wee's camp shot against the Rutgers. You know, and then the, then you lose to a good Maryland team at home. But I think more than the outcomes of those games is looking back on, on kind of how, how they happened. Obviously, that Northwestern game until about the last 10 minutes um, – was one of the worst basketball games that I've ever watched. And so, um, you know, they had the ability, obviously turned it on late and showed in the last 10 minutes, hey, this is this is how good we can be when we can shoot the basketball. And obviously Jordan Bohannon down the stretch started making plays and ultimately made, you know, the biggest play at the end. But, um, you know, it's – and then Rutgers, you know, out there, same, same situation, <clears throat> just struggling and then finally kind of turning it on and – um, again, thinking that maybe they're going to go down with a big shot, um, on one end and then coming back and, and hitting that, uh, hitting that buzzer beater by, uh, Wies camp as well. And so, you know, and then you come out last night against Maryland and it's a lot more of the same. I mean, the last three games, it's been a lack of engagement in the first half. Uh, you know, start the game last yesterday, played well defensively, but just struggled to score. Um, and as we've talked about both Iowa and Drake, very similar in the fact that they need to get out, they need to run, they need to score in transition. So, you know, when you're battling in a, in a game, you know, that ultimately ended 66, 65, uh, you know, just not going to get it done for the Hawks. And that's just something that they, they have to find a level of engagement in which that they know that, Hey, we got to come out and here's what we got to do early to attack and, and get out in transition and, and give ourselves a chance and not just wait for the last 10 minutes of the game. Yeah. I think, you know, looking at their, looking back at their schedule here, just overall, I remember when they got, um, you know, ran out of the gym uh, at 
Purdue and you know Iowa fans the press even were were calling for Fran's head wanted him fired wanted him gone when's he gonna is it, you know is he on the hot seat when's he gonna be out of here and then from that game on they outside of the game last night that they lost to Maryland they've only lost twice to Michigan State and at Minnesota um and so you know you when you're when you're looking back at their schedule and you know you saying that they could beat anybody in the nation I feel like you know they they beat Michigan a, a number five Michigan team at that time and then these last couple games you know at Indiana was a was a good game tough place to play you know and I think Indiana's a little bit um uh I guess better than what their record says you know but you're looking at Northwestern as you said I watched that game too and it was one of the one of the worst college basketball games I've seen in a long time, you know, end up winning that game by one on a buzzer beater. And then against Rutgers, obviously with the, with the Weeds camp shot from the corner there, winning that game on a buzzer beater as well, you know, but those three games, Indiana, Northwestern Rutgers are three out of three out of the four of the last place teams in, in the big Ten, And so I think that, <clears throat> you know, while they, while they can beat anybody in the nation, I feel like Iowa, more so than really anybody in the nation when they're, when they're out there playing plays down or plays up to their competition. So I feel like they, they, um, you know, obviously need to, um, you know, obviously need to make that, uh, um, I guess like a focus, focus uh, in the future here. And just, just kind of talking a little bit about the Maryland game last night, you know, you could just, just watching that game. um, You could definitely tell that Maryland had, were athletically superior to the Hawkeyes last night, you know, just watching the Hawkeyes try to guard them one-on-one in space. It just didn't happen. They could get to the rim whenever they wanted to. And then when they didn't get to the rim, they, they were kicking it out for an open three, it seemed like. So um, I think a lot, a lot of issues on that Hawkeye team, but you know, as we've said multiple times, they can beat anybody here in the nation, I think. So um, a very dangerous team coming up here towards the end of February and early March, I think. Yeah, and they, like you mentioned, it, it's one of those things where, you know, it's one of the second points that I was going to talk about was the teams that Iowa struggles against are those teams that are, you know, bigger, faster, stronger, um, which which sounds a little obvious, but um, it's more it's more the teams in which that, not so much from top to bottom, but that have, you know, bad matchups as far as, maybe don't run the most structured stuff so the Hawks can't prepare for them and kind of know what's going on when you just have to line up and, hey, it's you versus me. Um, you know, that's when the Hawks really struggle. I mean, Minnesota, same thing, not, you know, not one of the better teams um, in the Big Ten, but, you know, up there just really struggled defensively against them. And, you know, when you're so worried about who you're trying to guard and, and getting beat on the defensive end, it, it makes it very difficult to – to shoot the basketball and come out and score points, you know, and then you flip flop that in Michigan, obviously felt really good about their game plan, knew what was coming, knew what to expect with Michigan um, and came out and, and shot the ball really well and just kind of handled them from the get go. And so, you know, and the same thing with the last two games, I mean, Rutgers and Maryland, you know, physical teams that are going to kind of rough you up and you kind of got to be tough and be ready to go. And, you know, and I, the Hawks can do that. And they've shown that they're able to do it. The problem is, is when you start to stretch that out over 40 minutes, um, it becomes very difficult for them. And so, you know, they can get some tough stops. And even to start the game last night against Maryland, they were playing really well defensively. But then, 
uh, you know, it just seems like they were exerting so much energy um, on the defensive end that they weren't able to score on the offensive end. And that's where they got to find a balance. Obviously got to get stops. Can't, can't uh, turn into layup drills that we've seen in the past, um, but have to be able to go down and score. You know, as we look at where we're at in the Big Ten, um, I think currently sixth, uh, nine and six, which, you know, the Big Ten is good, but you look at where they're at, if they can kind of slide into, you know, into that five spot, five or six, going, going into the Big Ten tournament isn't the worst place to be as far as seeding goes. Uh, gives you an opportunity to play a team in the first round, you know, that you probably should beat and kind of get used to things. Um, you know, and if you can kind of stay away from the one seed, which whether, you know, that's Michigan State or Purdue or Michigan, you know, those are kind of the three teams, uh, obviously up at the top of this, but none of which, none of which are ones that you have to stay away from. I think that, you know, the Hawks could definitely uh, uh, get into the tournament and, you know, get that first win and then could really kind of move through and, and see how things shake out and uh, end up setting themselves up pretty well as we, as we start to look at uh, at March Madness and in the NCAA tournament as well. Yeah, and just, just I was looking at the Big Ten standings as well. You know, I don't um, – you know, the Hawkeyes have Wisconsin, Maryland, and then those top three in front of them. You know, I don't necessarily trust Maryland that, that much. I think that they – you know, they can lose to anybody and they can, they can also, they're good enough really to beat, I think a lot of the teams in the big 10. So, um, you know, and then w- there's Wisconsin right above Iowa. So I think that, you know, they have the potential to move up two spots potentially, because I think they do play, uh, they still have a game in Madison against Wisconsin that could potentially move them, you know, in a tie tie with them or even a, ahead of them in the, in the conference. So I think that they, you know, their schedule bodes well for what they're trying to do. You know, they have Indiana at home, they have Rutgers at home, and then they go to Nebraska outside of that Wisconsin game. So, um, you know, I got a, <clears throat> a somewhat, you know, I guess in my opinion, easier schedule down the stretch, which always helps. Um, and I guess la- last thing I'll mention too is that, you know, we, we've been talking all season about how the, you know, the, the, the Hawkeyes Achilles heel is on the defensive end, right? They, just can't seem to can't seem to figure it out for extended periods of time, um, and you know that that stuff is what on the defensive end that's what travels in the postseason. So you know you're thinking about you know going to the Big Ten tournament, and you know when you're in a new environment, sometimes the the shots aren't falling or the you know shots aren't going in as much because you're not used to shooting there, right? Um, same with the NCAA tournament. So it. I think that, you know, for this, the Hawks to be successful in the, the postseason, they need to be uh, locked in on the defensive end. And it just, you know, hasn't, hasn't happened for extended periods of time this year quite yet. No, it hasn't. And, and you're right. I mean, obviously defense is, is what's gonna, is what's going to separate this team, um, you know, from the teams that we've had in the past here that, you know, go over to Chicago and, and lose in the first round. Um, you know, and then end up putting themselves in a bad situation or, or uh, getting themselves in a bad seating um, coming that NCAA tournament time. And so, you know, they they like to mix up defenses. Um, you know, at times it has worked really well uh, when they mix up defenses, depending on what teams they're playing. Uh, you know, occasionally they'll uh, they'll stay in defense, maybe a defense or a zone or something for too long. I'd like to see them. Um, you know, use it a little bit more coming out of timeouts or dead ball situations. Um, 
you know, and toughen up in, in their man-to-man, depending on what the matchup is. But, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it, the, they have the ability they have the ability to score the basketball with the best of them. They can shoot. They have the talent. And so hopefully we can see them, you know, kind of put it all together and, and, and get, you know, enough stops uh, on the defensive end and then, and then get some of these guys going offensively. And the, the thing with the Hawks sitting, you know, sitting where they're at and obviously having a season that's, you know, I would say is above expectations. We still haven't seen all of the pieces come together. There's always, you know, even last night, well, Weeds Camp only having two points. I mean, that's, you know, that's going to be big for the Hawks. I mean, we haven't seen where, uh, you know, Bohannon and Weeds Camp and um, Cook and uh, Garza, all those guys are on, on the same page. And so, you know, if we do see if we do see that in one one or two games where they they kind of figure it out here for the final stretch, the Hawks could be a a, a really tough out for anybody. Yep, and I, I would agree with you with that. You know, as a as a fan of basketball, you know, all we can really ask for is exciting and interesting basketball down the stretch late in the season. And I think the Hawkeyes and the Cyclones give us exactly that towards the end of the season. So um but it was good to it was good to be back from our all star break here, Brian. Um I hope you guys enjoyed listening here to our our breakdown of Iowa and Iowa State. Um if so, go to Facebook, give us give us a like on there. You know, we we um I uh, have a lot of information on there. We post a lot of information about Iowa basketball um, and on our Twitter page too, at, uh, at shooters touch IA, go follow that. And we will um, hopefully be in touch with you guys very soon. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks everybody. Have a great night.